Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to Stories of Scotland podcast and our first ever Fireside Folklore. I'm Annie and I'm a hybrid flying evil sea mammal. And I'm Jenny, a fruit basket. Each episode of Stories of Scotland takes Annie and I so much time to research and write. But we want to bring you more regular episodes. And so to remedy this, every other week we'll be heading to the library digging through all the old folklore books there and each choosing a wonderful tale to exchange. Yes, these wonderful wee Fireside Folklore episodes will come in between our regular show and I am so excited to be sharing more traditional Scottish tales with you all. Shall I go first, Jenny? Yeah, okay. Well, today I've found a stunning little story containing one of the strangest creatures I've ever experienced in all of folklore land. This story is called The Great Forests of Badenoch, and I found it in a book called Legends of the Cairngorms. And then today, myself and Jenny have been putting these stories into our own words and practicing them in the beautiful Indonesian sunlight in my garden. I am sunburnt. Well, I had my SPF on. Now, a little warning that this story talks about forest fires, albeit in a very, very mythological setting. But please listen with care. We're sending our thoughts to anyone impacted by the current forest fires, and we really hope that humanity can start to heal our impact on this damaged wee planet. We've been seeing the forest fires in the news and our hearts go out to you. But let's jump in to this very surreal story. Are you ready, Jenny? I I don't know. I'm putting some moisturizer on as you speak. (laughs) Let's slip right in. The Norwegian king had conquered the coasts of the north of Scotland. He was mighty and undefeated. 
and he made all territory that he came upon bow to his reign. Yet, nestled beyond, hiding within the shield of the Grampian Mountains, lay a part of Scotland that was free from his rule. This place was the Caledonian Forest. The Norwegian king embarked on a journey to see this incredible woodland. It was unlike any of his previous battles, because the king suddenly found himself dwarfed amidst the pulsating life of the trees. The Caledonian forest was a relic of times when mythical beasts held dominion over the Scottish woods. Local people lived in harmony with the forest, and they understood that the spirit of the Caledonian forest would always be free. A symphony of birdsong and rustling life echoed around the king as he entered the towering woodland. Diving deeper into the forest's heart, the Norwegian king witnessed the wild chase of wolves, hot on the scent of deer. He heard the frantic heartbeat of the forest. It was the drumming legs of a hare through the undergrowth, fleeing from danger. High above in a tangle of branches, a pine marten was chattering to its kin. This was an elemental world untouched by the concept of conquest. Rather, it was locked in life cycles of death and survival. The Norwegian king was astounded to see the size of the trees. Some with a girth of almost 12 feet, they looked more like fortresses than common timber. It was an extraordinary place. Yet, strangely, this annoyed the Norwegian king because it was outside his dominion. The more he explored, he imagined the ships he could build with the great trees, the furs he could make with the skins of the wolves, and the stew he would eat when he caught these hares. In the depths of the forest, the king felt unseen eyes watching him, almost in a wordless scrutiny. How dare they... Were they trying to make this great king feel unimportant? He hated it. The Caledonian forest, too, should be his, and he should not need to ask for permission. So the king called to the wolves, Will you bow to my sword? Through the forest came a distant howl, which sounded a lot like a laugh. So the king called to the hares, Will you kneel to my arrows? Thumping legs nearby said that the hare were not going to listen to his request. Finally, the king looked upwards and demanded of the pine marten, Will you succumb to my flames? And the pine marten slipped along the branches, uninterested in anything the Norwegian king may say. He felt truly invisible and alone. The answer from these animals was a collective chorus of refusal, and he found fury bubbling within him. The message was clear. The Caledonian forest was a kingdom unto itself, beyond the reach of any king. And so the Norwegian king sent his finest warriors into the woods to kill the animals with swords and bows and arrows. Yet his soldiers were not used to the forest, they did not understand its ways, and so they came back to him empty-handed. The king felt small, and so he used his words to make him feel big. 
he told his soldiers that he had a monster that could overrun the forest and that nothing could stop it except a silver arrow. They all laughed, delighted that the king would get his way. And inside the hollow of an old oak tree, a silent pine marten listened. Now the Norwegian king left Scotland furious. He found himself haunted by the unattainable majesty of the forest, the one place he could not conquer. The memory of its towering trees and pulsating life made all of his past victories seem insignificant. The image of the Caledonian forest, vivid and grand, left him a yearning for the beauty of the highlands. The wolves' refusal, the hare's denial, and the pine martin's dismissal echoed in his mind. It was a constant reminder that the Caledonian forest refused to be conquered, and it made him angry. And so envy grew like a claw around the Norwegian king's heart. It tightened with each passing day. The memory of the Caledonian forest's grandeur continued to taunt him as though an unrequited love. Eventually, his jealousy stoked itself into a furious volcano of greed. If the Norwegian king could not have the Caledonian forest, then no one could. In a fit of wrath, the king invoked a chilling monster from his past, his Mumia, his stepmother. Now, his stepmother was not a human, or at least she was not wholly human. She was a beast of pure dread. She was a creature born of the darkest nightmares, more horrific than the simple Gallic translation of her title, Stepmother, would suggest. In his wrath, he summoned this monstrous entity, the Mumia, who was the pure embodiment of terror. The Mumia was an unnerving mix of horror and wonder. She is a massive face of a captivatingly beautiful woman. Yet she has the body of a colossal whale, the sea's greatest leviathan. And this is not all. Because from her back came gigantic eagle wings, big enough to shield all of Norway from a storm. The sheer power of these wings to carry her huge whale body in the sky is intimidating enough. The sight alone of the Mumia brings dread to the hearts of any who dare to look upon her. She was a beauty and a terror, a majesty, a nightmare draped in wonder, and the Norwegian king was going to ask her to do something terrible. In a fit of despair, the Norwegian king gives her the evil task to wipe out the Caledonian forest, erase it from existence, extinguish his envy once and for all. The Mumia chose fire as her tool of destruction, and she kept it inside her great belly, and then she waited patiently. Until summer came around, when the sun would leave the forest floor as dry as kindling. When the day came, she flew to Scotland. She soared high above the clouds, and inside her was a fiery arsenal ready to set Scotland aflame. She began her assault in the northernmost tip of Scotland. There she unleashed her fiery breath, setting ablaze the vulnerable woods beneath. Meanwhile, the King of Norway contributed in his own nasty little way. He had a gift with the winds, a power that should have been used for good. 
It meant that his ships could always have air in their sails. But instead, he conjured a mighty gale, but he set it to fan the flames that the Mumia was creating. And this drove the fire southwards, southwards towards the great Caledonian forest. And this fire left nothing but desolation in its wake. The flames pressed on, ruthless in their pursuit, drawing closer to the heart of the Caledonian forest. Every effort by the local people to halt the deadly fire failed, because the Mumia would restart any fires that they extinguished. However, amid the approaching doom, a spark of hope emerged. It came from a quiet man from King Yusi, a hunter known more for his deeds than his words. He understood the true worth of the woods. They were not just trees, but the lifeblood of the people. They gave them timber for their homes, fuel for their hearths, shelter for their animals, and culture from their spirit. And luckily for the hunter, a small pine marten came to him and whispered a secret about a silver arrow. The other villagers had despair etched upon their faces as the flames neared their homes. Then the hunter spoke. His voice sliced through with a promise. Trust me, he said, and our forests will survive. His bold words struck a chord with the anxious crowd. They agreed to listen to his instructions. Gather all of your livestock, he told them. Put the ewes, cows, and mares, all of the mothers, to the east of the river Spey, and then put their offspring, the lambs, calves, and foals, to the west. The river must divide them. And so the people did this, and it created a tremendous uproar. Baths, bleats, moos, and neighs. A grand farmyard symphony of mother animals calling for their young, and young animals calling for their mothers. And this noise just escalated, it soared skywards, and it was the only noise to drown out the roaring of the flames. The Mumia was intrigued, and so she dipped her head beneath a veil of clouds. She was seeking the cause of the clamour, the sound that was louder than her fire. But her curiosity played into the hunter's plan, because his bow was ready and he had crafted a single silver-tipped arrow, and it was nestled waiting in his string. No time was wasted. As soon as the Mumia peaked below the clouds, the hunter aimed and released. The arrow flew true, striking the Mumia's eye. And with that, her reign was over. She plummeted to the earth, a lifeless heap of flesh and feathers. A hush fell over the land as the Mumia crashed to earth. The threat to the Caledonian forest was over. Relief flooded every soul, and the flames without their Mumia waned. People ran around, dousing them with bucket after bucket of water, and peace at last returned. Yet as the Mumia's threat faded, another emerged. It was her massive corpse. Her remains, this grotesque mix of human, whale, and eagle, were decaying fast, far too fast. She'd lived with such bitterness and such destructive intent 
that her body rotted at an unprecedented speed. It stank. Such a stench covered the whole of Scotland. The sheer size of the body made burial unthinkable, but they couldn't leave it there, because that would be the perfect recipe for plague and disease. It seemed that a new disaster was looming, but then, from an unexpected place, help arrived. Insects descended, swarms of them, red and black insects unlike anything seen in Badenoch before, and they covered the Mumia's corpse, a writhing blanket obscuring the ground beneath. In an astonishingly short time, they reduced the Mumia to a skeleton. All that was left was her white bones glistening. Every scrap of rotting flesh had been consumed. But the insects, which we recognise today as ants, they didn't leave Badenoch. They stayed and they set up colonies in the highlands. Legend says that these ants are the ancestors of the ones we have today. The diligent little workers that they are. We see these ants still today, building complex little cities within Glenmore, Rothiemurkis and Badenoch where the Caledonian forest once sprawled so great. These tiny creatures remind us of nature's healing power, even in the face of monstrous foes. And more so, this is a story about how we need to work with the grain of nature to be able to protect our world. I love ants. There, Annie, I said it. (laughs) I love ants too, Jenny. (laughs) <laughs> what a tale to be kicking us off with. What a monster. And what a demise as well. Wow. I thought you were going to say it was the ancestors of the midges and I was about to get really angry. But then you said the ants and I was like, okay, I can live with the ants. That's fine. You know, they do a great job. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be an ant, but I appreciate the hard work <laughs> that they do. I'm too lazy to be an ant. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. I mean, I think I'd make a pretty good aunt, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But I too thought I would go all out for the first of our fireside folklores. And so what better way to start than with one of the greatest Gaelic tales of all time. And not just one of the greatest Gaelic tales, but also one of the greatest quest stories of all time. And I know my quest stories, Annie. I know them real good. Shrek is my favourite film, and that's like the best quest story of all time. Jenny, this better not be a Gaelic Shrek. 
What are you doing in my bog? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Shetland pony. That'll do. <laughs> Ogres are like turnips. <laughs> <laughs> One day, a brother and a sister called Murachag and Minachag went out to collect some fruit. As they wandered along, Minachag was happily eating some of the fruit they collected. Now, this really annoyed Murakag, as he wanted to split the fruit when they got back home. He thought Minakag was taking more than her fair share. And so, really riled up by this, he went to fetch a branch so that he could give his sister a good hit with it, in the hopes that this would stop her eating all the fruit. Me and my brother, if we'd done this, we would have picked up nettles and chased each other around <laughs> to sting each other with them. Murahag set out to take a branch from a tree that he could use as a hitting rod. But as he reached up into the tree to grab the branch, the branch said, What's the news today, O Murahag? I am seeking a good sturdy branch to hit my sister with for eating my share of the fruit, said Murahag. But the branch replied, <laughs> Well, son, thou wilt not get me until thou go and gettest the axe that will cut me. And so Murakag went to fetch an axe. But when he reached to pick up the axe, it said, What's the news today, O Murakag? And he replied, I am seeking an axe so that I may cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. And the axe replied, <laughs> Thou will not get me until thou go and get a stone to smooth me. <sighs> and so Murahag said, fine. And he went to fetch a stone. But the stone said, What's thy news today, O Murahag? I am seeking a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. Ah, said the stone. Thou will not get me until thou go and get water to wet me. And so Murahag went to the water. But the water said, Why, what's thy news today, O Murakag? I am seeking water to wet a stone, to smooth an axe, to cut a branch, so that I may strike my sister. Well, gurgled the water, thou will not get me until thou get a deer to swim across me. And so Murakag went and found a deer that was chewing on some trees. And the deer said, Why? What's thy news today, O Murakag? I am seeking a deer to cross the water so that I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. Thou wilt not get me, said the deer, until thou gettest a dog to run me. And so off Murakag went and found himself a dog. Why, what's the news today, O Murakag? said the dog. I am seeking a dog to chase a deer across the water so that I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister, said Murakag. Thou will not get me, barked the dog, until thou gettest butter to be rubbed on my feet. <laughs> Murakag was like, okay, each to their own, I guess. I'll, I'll go get you some butter. But upon opening the larder, the butter said, What's thy news today, O Murakag? And Murakag replied, 
I am seeking some butter to oil up a dog so that it will chase a deer across the water so I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. And guess what, Annie? The butter said, Thou will not get me, O Murakag, until thou gettest a mouse that will scrape me. And so Murakag went crawling to find a mouse hole. And when he got there, a wee mouse was sitting on a rocking chair by the opening, and it squeaked, What's thy news today, O Murakag? And Murakag replied, I am seeking a mouse to scrape some butter so that I can use this butter to oil up a dog so the dog will chase a deer across the water so that I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. <laughs> Those dogs in their greasy demands, <laughs> laughed the mouse. Well, I hate to tell you this, big guy, but thou will not get me till thou gettest a cat to hunt me. And so off Murakag went to herd a cat. And once he'd caught her, the cat purred, What's thy news today, O Murakag? Look here, you furry little rascal. I'm seeking a cat to chase a mouse that will scrape some butter that I can use to oil up a dog so that it'll chase a deer across the water so I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. Polishing off its claws, the cat shrugged and said, Thou will not get me until thou gettest some milk for me. And so out to the buyer Murakag went, and when there, the coo mooed. Why, what's thy news today, O Murakag? <laughs> Hello, gentle beast. I am seeking some milk to hydrate a cat so that it'll chase a mouse that will scrape some butter that I can use to oil up a dog so that dog will chase a deer across the water so that I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. Right, said the cow. Well, seeing as everyone else is getting something, thou wilt not get milk from me till thou gettest a wisp of straw for me to eat from the barn, Gilly. With a long sigh, Murakag went to find the barn gilly, and when he found him, the barn gilly greeted him with, What's the news today, O Murakag? Good gilly. <sighs> I would like a wisp of straw for the coo so that she'll give me some milk so I can hydrate a cat so that it will chase a mouse that will scrape some butter that I can use to oil up a dog so that dog will chase a deer across the water so that I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. With a chuckle, the barn gilly replied, <laughs> Thou will not get a wisp from me until thou gettest a bannock from me from the kneading wife. And so, wearily, Murakag reached the kneading wife, and she greeted him by saying, What's thy news today, O Murakag? Sweet kneading wife, I am seeking a bannock to feed the gilly so he'll give me a wisp of straw for the coo so she'll give me some milk to hydrate a cat so that cat will chase a mouse to scrape some butter that I can use to oil up a dog so it'll chase a deer across the water so I may get some water to wet a stone to smooth an axe to cut a branch so that I may strike my sister. <laughs> well, in the spirit of your suffering, she said as she dusted her hands of flour, Thou will not get a bannock from me till thou bringest in the water that I need to knead it with. How will I bring in the water? argued Murakag. There's no vessel but that sieve there. The kneading wife raised her eyebrows expectantly at the exasperated lad. And what do you know? 
he grabbed the sieve and headed to the water. But when he bent to scoop up some water, every drop went right through the sieve. As he hopelessly scooped and scooped, a hoodie, that's a hooded crow for those not in the ornithological know, flew over his head and cried, Caw! Caw! Little silly! Ah, little silly! Ah! Murakag replied, Thou art right, O oh hoodie! I am indeed little silly! Ah! Feeling for the downtrodden boy, the hoodie cried, Clay and moss, silly boy! Ah, clay and moss! Heeding the hoodie's advice, Murakag put a layer of clay and moss at the bottom of the sieve. He filled it with water and took it to the kneading wife, who gave him a bannock to give to the gilly, who gave him a wisp of straw to give to the coo, who gave him some milk to give to the cat, who chased the mouse to scrape some butter, which he used to oil up the dog's paws, which then chased the deer across the water, which he used to wet the stone so he could sharpen his axe and finally, finally cut the branch from the tree so that he may hit his sister for eating his share of the fruit. Oh, what a journey our young Murakag has been on. Jenny, can I just ask about a little plot hole? Why didn't he just take the water and use that for the axe? <laughs> Look, Annie, all right, the water needed deer to run across it so that it could... But he had water for the kneading wife. Oh, well, he's promised. He's promised a bunch of people stuff now, Annie. He can't go back on all his promises, all right? He's been on this quest. He is a man of... He's somewhat a man of honour, I guess. We'll see what happens next. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, what a journey. And whilst he's been away on this quest to rival Shrek's, his sister has been at home cooking a delicious fruit pie. And when Murakag entered the kitchen, branch in hand, ready to give her a good smack, she said, Och, Murakag, ya fool! I had to eat the fruit so I could see which ones would taste best in my delicious pie. If you hit me, I shan't give you a crumb of it. Enraged, Murakag swung his branch, but lo, he brought it crashing down on the freshly baked pie and smashed it to smithereens. And in the end, he got no fruit at all, but rather pie on his face. And this is all to say that violence doesn't pay, kids. <laughs> you know, Jenny, I'm not sure this is the next Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> but you were right that it was a big quest. <laughs> this is a popular Gaelic tale. Minachag and Muvachag are the Gaelic versions of Tweedledee and Tweedledum doing quite silly fun things. It's, it's almost slapstick, isn't it? He's literally getting a stick to go and slap someone with. That's the whole point of the story. <laughs> a lot of listeners will probably recognise that this story follows the same pattern as many other traditional fairy tales, such as the house that Jack built. It was used in the Highlands as a comedic way to teach children about cause and effect. But I think you might have changed the ending, Jenny, is that right? Uh, yeah, yes, I did. Because, well, in the original ending, the sister actually eats so much fruit while the brother is away that by the time he returns from his quest, branch in hand, she she's actually just literally exploded from eating so much fruit. And, you know, the beauty of folklore is that each time we retell it, we can shape it in our own way. And I thought it's better to teach children that violence doesn't pay rather than eating too much fruit 
is a bad thing and will make you pop. Ah, Jenny, that's fine. I mean, you are imposing a controversial 21st century view that fruit is good and that smacking (laughs) others with rods is not good (laughs) to this traditional tale. But you know what? I think this update is well needed. Yep, I mean, if anyone out there is angry about it, what are you going to do? Smack me with a rod? (laughs) Good luck on your quest, people. I'll see you in four months. Because violence doesn't pay. (laughs) And neither does podcasting. (laughs) Unless you join our Patreon. Yay! Yay! (laughs) All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We really hope you enjoy this new format we're doing. It won't affect our regular show scheduling at all. And you guys get to hear some really great traditional Scottish storytelling. Please do join us again soon. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you'd like to support us, you could leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or you can also share the show with anyone you think might enjoy it. And with people who you don't think are going to enjoy it because... (laughs) Maybe they will. (laughs) Force it upon them in an eight hour long car ride. (laughs) Until next time, dear friends, Slanjava. Slanjava. Flew over his head. And cried, <coughs> What do crows make? Caw! Caw! Do crows not caw? Ah! Caw! They do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.